everyone, I'm Katie Knight and this is Can You Put Me On Guest List. Now, if you're looking for an uplifting, insightful, fun conversation, then you're in the right place. You're in the right place. Today on the podcast is an absolute gem of a person. It's Bina Fronda. Bina is the Vice President of Marketing at Ultra Records and has had such an incredible journey. She started as Marketing Coordinator and then very quickly went on to Marketing Manager and then to Marketing Director and is now the Vice President of Marketing. So she's had such an amazing and very fast growing career in the music industry. We talk all about her journey, we talk about what her job actually consists of, what her day-to-day looks like, the most difficult part of her job, what she loves the most about her job, career highlights, her career as a DJ, and we just have a real great laugh and a good chat. I met Vina over an amazing WhatsApp group called She Is The Music, which I'm so grateful to be part of because I've met so many amazing and inspiring women in there. But me and Vina finally met in person at ADE and I'm so, so happy that we did because You know, when you meet somebody and you're like, I really want them to be my friend. (laughs) And I'm very grateful that we got to connect because now I can share her amazing story with you guys also. So thank you for being here. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did recording it. This is Bina Fronda here on Can You Put Me on Guest List. How are you? How is everything? Everything is good. It's a busy time period. It's like, you know, the post ADE where everybody feels um, super inspired by it and brings that inspiration into action. Yeah. And then there's also like, uh, just like the end of year, you know, like the end of year madness where people are just like trying to wrap up the year. So that's where we are right now. Like we, you know, I work with the digital team and all of like our uh, annual like long lead pitches. And that's all we're doing right now. So it's cool. And then we, uh, as Ultra, are working on like an end of year holiday party. And we've got a lot of artists coming to town for it. So oh, lots that's of great the fun things. part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, all right, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have a good time. Isn't it we're weird that we're talking about end of year already? It like it boggles my mind. It was so funny. I was talking to one of my staff members yesterday and I was like, it was September and we were planning for ADE and I was like, start getting the holiday party ready. You're going to think I'm crazy for talking about the end of year. It's going to come like that. And then yesterday he was like, you weren't kidding. It's the holidays already. We're going to be putting the Christmas tree up and stuff soon. All Christmas decorations, everything. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm already getting like, you know, the, the, all of the like posts and targeted ads for holiday trees and scents and yeah. holiday themes and everything. And I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not ready. Like, stop. I don't want a Mariah Carey yet. Like, it's <laughs> I saw this thing actually yesterday, BBC Radio One in the UK, they, 
they did like this test they put on a Christmas song on BBC Radio 1 to see like what people's reactions were and everyone was going mad like it's the first of no- yeah it was the first of November it's the first of November what are you guys doing this is not right wow. <laughs> I love that that's so funny um, I saw I saw a meme on November 1st and it was like a meme of Mariah Carey defrosting <laughs> like wow that's brilliant it just gets earlier and earlier every year doesn't it every year yeah I mean literally Halloween's done and that's it like it's full holiday mode yeah so and you're you're in New York right so the holidays over there are massive yes especially in you know especially in Manhattan where you know I think like this is probably going to be the first year where the holiday season is really in full swing because people can come into the country, yeah. you know, like COVID is not looming the way it did last winter. So, you know, I think Times Square is going to be like mental. Oh, yeah. Like I, I like went to H&M yesterday, like to H&M home and it's already like, Everything is holiday themed. Gingerbread candles, like <laughs> holiday, like holiday decor for your holiday hosting. And I was just like, whoa, this is so in my face. Like I'm not it's ready intense. for this. Yes. It's intense. It is. I know. It is. So were you born and raised in New York? I am. I am a Brooklyn girl through and through. Oh, wow. And yeah. so on this podcast, I always like to kind of just start from the very beginning and uh, my first question is, where does your love for music come from? Have you always been surrounded by music from a young age? Definitely. So I like I I am born and raised in New York. Uh-huh. I am first generation. So my whole family is from Italy and they're all from the south in Puglia, um, which has been somewhat of a hot spot recently. And um, my my you know like my parents immigrated in the seventies and the eighties, and my mom's side of the family is the musical side. So my mom, um, her dad, my grandfather, my nonno, he was a jazz drummer. Wow. And when he yeah when he immigrated in New York, he would play in jazz bands in New York while being like a pizza man in Times Square, like the ultimate like story that's like you know? that's what like, we watch on films <laughs> it's the godfather like he it's just even like you know my nono dressed like you know the suits with the gold pinky ring wow. like this is this is my uncle's ring you know i was like <laughs> it's so ridiculous uh, so like that he had he had that attachment already in the jazz space. And then my uncle, his son, my uncle is my godfather. He was very much um, my inspiration. I was his shadow. And he, when he came to America in the seventies, really just like fell in love with the dance scene. So first it started at the like tail end of studio 54 and the disco scene and all of that. But then my uncle got into house. So my uncle like went to the limelight and paradise and like all of the infamous clubs wow. around New York city and played. And, you know, in the classic immigrant story, like we all lived in the same building, you know? So my uncle's studio and my grandpa, studio they they shared it and 
when my uncle would come home from like clubbing at five o'clock in the morning, I would wake up and he would feed me, you know, like he would feed me milk while he's like hungover. <laughs> so I just feel like from that, it already like just started influencing my love and interest for music. And then as a kid, you know, my, my, while my mom worked, my grandfather dropped me off and picked me up from school and I would do my homework on his drum pad while he was practicing. And then my Z would come home and start DJing. So just from that early, 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 early influence, like before I can think for myself influence, I was around it. And then I grew up and like, I was my uncle's shadow. You know, I used to go with him to like record stores, crate digging. And he snuck me into my first club when I was 14 years old. Really? What club was it? It was Crowbar in Miami. Wow. And it was a gay night, actually day on New Year's Day. (laughs) So I was 14. My uncle's partner at the time, like, put makeup on me and just, like, tried to make me look older. And I'm in this, like, sea of men (laughs) in Miami, like, half naked. And I was like, what is this magical place? (laughs) And uh, yeah, the rest is history. (laughs) Wow. I absolutely love how you've just told all of that. You know, when somebody's telling you a story and you can, you're literally imagining it in your head. It it really really is like, like, honestly, sometimes I felt like John Travolta, (laughs) you know, in like Saturday Night Fever because John Travolta had this like love for music, but then he had to, you know, he was like sharing his big pasta dinner with his like eight person family. And that's what it felt like, you know, it was just like super traditional. But then my uncle would come in and like play like Carrie Chandler when I was eight years old. And I it was in my it was in my home. So wow. So at what age did you realize that you wanted to make a career out of music and work in music? Or was that something from the very beginning? Or did you have other jobs before that that were nothing to do with music? Uh, that one, the latter. Yeah, so it was because my uncle then like, you know, he left New York and for a while he lived in Italy and um, was a booker and a promoter in Italy. And he was, you know, like booking a lot of American house artists to, and bringing them to, to Italy. And then he went to Miami and throughout that whole journey, he's always, he was always like, get in the business side. Don't make music, get in the business side, get in the business side. He's like, be a music lawyer. You know, he was always like encouraging me, heavily encouraging me to get into music because I was just by nature so interested. And I was always like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do my own thing. And I originally was into visual art. So, you know, I went to school for photography and visual art, but I got a marketing background too, because I was like, I'm going to need to know how to promote this stuff. Mm. And Funny enough, I got out of college, I started doing photography gigs and I was like, oh, wow, this is not for me. You know, like this is more personal for me. I didn't like the business side of doing art. You know, it, it, it felt like it just it, it was too much for me. I think it was too sensitive for it, to be honest. Uh-huh. And um, at that time, I feel like there was maybe a new resurgence of going to festivals. So I started going to a lot more festivals and I loved it. And I would be at the festivals and be like, 
how do I, how do I do this? Like, how do I get into this? Like, how can I make money being here? And then I just, you know, I connected with a festival in New York called Governor's Balm and I started interning for them. And then an internship turned into a freelance gig, turned into another freelance gig. And before I knew it, I was kind of in the space and that was a lot of fun, but it was a, for me, a a physically grueling job that I, didn't see like the path for growth for myself within it. So then I was like, okay, I like music. I like being connected to artists. How can I go a little bit deeper? So I started looking at jobs in the music industry on like the label front or the management side and, um, you know, right place, right time. I met someone at a party and we were talking about just that. And she was like, Oh, I work at ultra records. Like, would you be interested in applying? And I was like, oh, let me think about it. Yes. (laughs) And the next morning I sent her my resume and, you know, a week later I was in the office doing an interview. Wow. And how long ago was that? Eight years. Wow, you've been there for eight years. Eight years. Yes. Wow. And so you started, to correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what... I saw your LinkedIn. So you've done marketing coordinator, marketing manager, marketing director, and now you are marketing vice president of Ultra Records. So you've yep. really like grown throughout these eight years. How has your job role, well, obviously it's changed massively, but what was your journey like starting off at Ultra Records and how has your role developed over the years? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a ride. It's always been a ride and I think... You know, this is definitely something I always um, express to people of the this is the positive side to working in an indie is it's so, you know, like in the weeds that you can grow fast. Like if you if you want to excel and can show you excel, there's space for you to excel. And so, you know, I, I started as a coordinator and the the my boss who hired me at the time actually wound up leaving after three months of bringing me on board. And I remember he called me into his office and I'm like, oh my God, he's going to hire me. Like, I've only been here for a few months. Like, what do I do? He's like, I'm leaving. And he's like, and by the way, I'm promoting you to manager. You'll be fine. So that was (laughs) just after three months. After three months, that was my, like my first, um, that was my first promotion. And I think, you know, he saw it. He saw like so much of marketing is, being able to communicate with people, right? And expressing the good stuff and the bad stuff in a good way. And in, you know, I think he saw that pretty quickly and he's like, you've got it. Like, you've got it. You'll be fine. There'll be a learning curve. You'll be okay. And so that was kind of like my my first road. But I, you know, I, I must say like there was, there was and there are people at Ultra who fueled that too. So, you know, I re- was really like backed by my peers at the company who one helped me grow, but also took the time to teach me. And that's, you know, kind of how it went. And every opportunity, like there were many times where at times I had imposter syndrome and I'll never forget like one of my coworkers pretty much slapping me all the way from LA being like, you've got this, like, don't underestimate yourself. You've got this. And I am very grateful to her. Um, And, you know, I just was able to grow and grow and grow. And I think marketing is one of those roles where 
there's no such thing as knowing too much. And, you know, you have to learn about every other department and angle in the music space that connects to the artists. And so, you know, I've just been like absorbing and absorbing and absorbing of how to market artists and music and how all of the different departments connect in doing so. And, you know, I, I say like I'm a professional connect the dots person you know that's so much of what I do Uh I guess it's also not just known like every different part of the music industry but also I think marketing just is uh changing constantly there's always like new tools and new things and you have to be so on top so I'm sure it's not just you know being on top of you know new music trends new artists but also the whole marketing side of things and everything new that comes out constantly Totally. And I think that might go hand in hand with the growth is because it's not a stagnant role. Yeah. You know, you never say, okay, got it. Know what to do. We're good. No, if, if you're thinking in that way, you're not thinking marketing because like you said, there's always ways to market. There's always a new trend. There's always a new platform. There's also, you know, one thing I'm always recommending to people on the marketing journey is like, it's also not specific to a genre. You might see something in country that you're like, this person did this and it was brilliant. Like how do we apply it to our space, you know, or, or vice versa. So, you know, it's constantly paying attention to how other people are doing it or being experimental. And I think that is constantly stimulating growth and in stimulating that growth in my journey, it's, you know, I've have been very lucky that my superiors saw that and were like, and fueled it, you know, they fueled the growth. So what does your job today actually consist of? Yeah. So one thing to mention too is uh, Ultra was recently acquired by Sony. So in um, we're almost hitting our one year where we were acquired and Ultra essentially the split between Ultra Records and Ultra Publishing. And so much of my last year was transitioning over. Mm-hmm. Um, our roster came with us, but, you know, we had a lot of restaffing to do and a lot of learning to do in, you know, an indie coming into a major space and learning how to work by like major standards. And I think there was also a massive learning curve for a major accepting that an indie kind of had it like under control and had systems that were working yeah. and functioning very well. And applying applying that to maybe something that they weren't like used to doing so there was as much of a learning curve for our sony as there was for us um so so that was you know that was um really it took like a year to to figure that out and we're still figuring that out in this relationship with sony so i would say for the last year a lot of it was everything that comes with the transition, new hiring, new staffing, um, you know, just applying new structures to, to the way we promote our music. Um, but in my regular, like non-transition side to the role, a lot of it is working with artist teams directly. Um, so I also project manage many of our artists. So I work with them in coming up with 
uh, artist campaigns, music release campaigns, um, uh, any like brand or marketing partnerships that are connected to the music, but not, not directly uh, the music. Um, you know, I also work and oversee a team of product managers. I work closely with the digital team and pitching to all of our digital platforms and partners and constant outreach to new partners, right? So dipping into the Web3 space and figuring out how we can do partnerships in the Web3 space, brand partnerships, uh, random like PR uh, PR partnerships or partnership wellness. And so I'm always seeking new ways and new opportunities for our artists to connect with their fans. Wow, you're busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to guess that your every single day is totally a different day for you. I was totally. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say what is what is like a, what would be a normal day like for you? Yeah, so sometimes I have for lack of better words, my get shit done days. And I'm like, okay, I'm not taking calls. Like I need to plan out plans. I need to write reports. I need to get back to emails. You know, I just need to get it done. And those are the days that I work from home and like hide in my living room. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's, it, it really varies, you know, when we have artists in town or we when we go on a promo run with artists, taking around artists to different platform spaces, social platform spaces, spaces, radio spaces. You know, if we like secure opportunities, we'll go with our artists in where we secured it. So like, for example, we had an, um, uh, an artist group, Sophie Tucker, and we, we worked with them in, in locking in a, an amazing partnership with the U S open in New York. And it was a shoot and everything. So we worked very closely with that team and making it happen in less than three weeks. Um, so the day-to-day varies, you know, sometimes it's on site in the office. Sometimes it's out with the artists. Sometimes, you know, like you're in full schmooze mode and, you know, you've got to be out and about at ADE for like yeah. 72 hours straight. <laughs> <laughs> Not sleeping not eating just bougie you know yeah speed dating (laughs) it's real it's real so the day-to-day really does vary and it's so easy for time to just fly by so quickly what is the thing that you love the most about your job I would say it's the like on the grounds stuff. Uh Like I love, like I love ADE. I am still like, I don't care that I lose my voice. (laughs) I don't care that I'm exhausted. I just love being there because, you know, yes, it's our, it's our work, but we're, I think we're, exceptionally lucky that we get to work with people that we vibe with, you know, so I just love that I'm like, oh, we're doing business, but we're having a great time in Amsterdam. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I always say that sometimes when, you know, you have the down days or you complain about something or, you know, it's been a really shit day. But then I'm like, but we actually have such fun jobs. We, we're lucky yeah. to have jobs that, that you know, that you, that you love doing and to meet so many amazing people along the way. Like me and you yesterday met at ADE, which was just a few weeks ago. And here we are doing a podcast. 
and here we are. And, and that's it. Yeah. Like that's it right there. Like that is my favorite part of the job. Um, you know, we also connected through, you know, uh, these incredible uh, female groups yes. between she's music and she said so. And just to have a community in the space that we meet through our, you know, work but then it just becomes so much more than that. And it is such a like safe community and a safe space. And I think um, being able to be part of these communities is, is pretty amazing and yeah. very much part of like why I love what I do. And that also is with the artists. You know, I, I was just talking to a friend yesterday who's in the industry and, you know, the label work is so connected to artists and to management you become friends with the artists you know like it gets personal and one thing I've noticed in my journey and even as I've started journeying into DJing myself and kind of putting an artist hat on is the artists that I've represented for years started supporting me as an artist and so that's been a beautiful like journey as well so you know I think my favorite part is being on the ground, being at the shoots. It's like finally, you know, a lot of it is also like matchmaking, connecting the dots. And when you're there, when you're like at the shoot or the opportunity that you help put together and seeing how it gels so well, like that's that's my favorite part of the job. I love how you said at the beginning, professional uh, dot connector. Yeah, that's why you yes. said it, right? I love that. Yeah. I need to start putting it in my signature. <laughs> you should. That should go on yeah. your LinkedIn. <laughs> no, <Yeah>, right. <laughs> it's a really nice way to put it, though, because you're absolutely right. When you, especially in 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 your field of work, you have so many different moving parts. To see them in one project all come together must be such a great feeling when it does all finally happen and you see it all together in one space. One hundred percent. I, you know, sometimes. Um, I feel like a yenta, you know, when you like, you made a good match and you feel good. You're like, I did that. I made the match. I'm like, I'm like a yenta. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) I'm a dance music yenta. What can I tell you? (laughs) I love it. I love it. What would you say is the most challenging part of your job? Ooh, let's see. Um, Sometimes the speed. Uh, it never stops. Mm. It's like a high speed train that never stops. And sometimes it's exhausting. Um, and, you know, sometimes, especially I think in the dance space, the dance space moves so fast um, that at times, even, you know, like if you want to do something where you take your time or plan something with taking your time, the space doesn't really um, allow for it. So that can be a challenge. And sometimes the challenge is like delivering the bad news. You know, sometimes songs don't connect or they don't connect as fast as an artist or artist team or even you expected it to. And it's hard not to feel deflated by that. And, you know, we constantly as, you know, like as a marketing team have to look at the like glass half full and be positive. So, you know, I think it's at times those challenges of facing disappointment or facing the hard news, you know, like straight up being like, people didn't like it. You know, we, we've got to move on and that's okay. Like, mm. 
it, you've got plenty of other great music. Like, let's keep it moving. Um, you know, I think delivering that news can be uncomfortable at times, but it's very much part of yeah. the work, yeah. you know? Um, so I would, I would say those two things are probably, probably uh, the most challenging. Maybe also the late nights, you know? You know your girl's getting older. <laughs> she likes to sleep a little bit more. <laughs> it definitely gets harder. It's not the same as it used to be. No, no, I nap before going out sometimes. Yeah, I know, but sometimes I'm like, is that worse or is that better to do it that way? Because sometimes I'll have like a small nap before I go out and then I wake up and I'm like cranky. Oh, yes, I feel that. <laughs> or sometimes I nap and I never wake up yeah. and I wake up at like 5 a.m. like, oh, my God, I missed the set. <laughs> it also happens. We've been there. We've been there. <laughs> you mentioned before that you also DJ yourself. Mm-hmm. How long have you been doing it before? Uh, for? How, how did that all start for you? Well, actually, it was a pandemic, um, <sighs> silver lining, and, uh, you know, like, surprise, like, happy surprise. Um, so it was something I was always into, and, you know, my uncle used to DJ, and I, when I was younger, I always wanted to learn, but, you know, my, my uncle's teaching skills weren't, that great so he'd be like oh, you just push the button and you just enough there you go like it's easy and I would just look at him like I think there's more to this that you're not teaching me <laughs> um you know it just then like it was something I wanted to do but I just didn't make time to learn and I remember it was uh, like almost three years ago now I was walking with friends that are also colleagues that we become became great friends and we're like each other's like pods during the pandemic and we're walking and one of them actually had gotten um decks and was like talking about like some challenges and like learning you know learning it and then I was just like oh you know I always wanted to learn I just never I never gave myself the time and so like my other dear friend who became my mentor in in the DJ journey stops and was like we have time. Like we're doing it. We've got a lot of time. We're not going to shows. Like let's just hang out and DJ. And the next week I went to his apartment. He started teaching me. And funny enough, he's been babysitting, babysitting Benny Bonassi's decks for like six years now. So we, I think it's pretty amazing that I learned on Benny's like decks. I love that. And, 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 you know, like I, I kid you not, it was like, I fell in love. Like I was a kid, I was a kid. I was so giddy. I was so excited. And then it just, it became my lifeline during the pandemic. I was playing in my living room all the time and then with my friends. And um, about, I would say a year in, uh, Sophie Tucker, who I work very closely with, during the pandemic, they started doing a daily DJ set live stream. 30 minutes every day for almost two straight years. Wow. And Sophie of Sophie Tucker had also started learning how to play because at that point, Tucker of the band was the primary like DJ. She would sing and play and dance and everything. But then during the pandemic, she started learning how to play on her own as well. And she started doing like solo live streams too. So their live stream, they started opening it up to um, friends and fans, and they also helped out with uh, LPGOB's uh, Femme House uh, live stream and Twitch channel. 
So, you know, I met up with them and one day and I was talking about like my journey with Sophie and she was like, you should DJ for the Femme House live stream. Like their whole thing is about showcasing like local and rising female identifying talent. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like, I'm not ready. I just DJ in my living room. Like, no, thank you. And my mentor, friend, coworker, like brother from another mother was like, she'll do it. I will help her. She'll do it. She'll do it. And I, one week later, not even a full week later, I was in his living room, green screen. He was like handling my Twitch account and my my chat room and everything. And, and I, that was my first like interaction with other human beings while playing. And when that happened, I like, I made my Instagram public, which, you know, I'm a very private person. Like I, at that point was like, if I don't know you, like, I don't want you to see what I do with my life. And at that point I was like, all right, let me just like open the door a little bit. And then I started posting about it and industry friends and other friends were like, you DJ? Oh my gosh, you should do this. You should do that. You should do this. You should do wow. that. Wow. So snowboard. It did. And actually, like my first live gig was at Lollapalooza, which was wild. So, you know, I had a friend who um, was working with uh, Bud Light. And Bud Light had stages at many major festivals across the U.S. And they had full-on, like, lineups at those stages. And they wanted DJs to kind of, like, keep the crowd going. And so, you know, I wound up working with them on that. And then I wound up, like, curating the, the DJ stages for a few of the festivals. And they, you know, they asked me to play as well. And at this point, I've never played in front of like people and I like in real life. I had no idea what to expect. I was in Chicago. Like I had a friend come with me because I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what's happening right now. And um, it happened and it was brilliant. And it like, talk about connecting the dots. Like I had an aha moment where I was like, I can't believe I waited this long for this to happen. It just, it was amazing. It was amazing. I had so much fun playing. I got such a high off of people dancing with me and because of, you know, the music I shared for, for them. And well, from there, the journey just like, it's, it's, we're out here. (laughs) How exciting. That is so exciting. Have you? Yeah, it's been great. And then, you know, that's the thing, like in working with so many of these artists that I've worked with for a long time, you know, I've worked with Sophie Tucker for more than six years. Like they've come to see me play oh, and it's just amazing. It's like a full circle. That's so nice. Yeah. That is yeah. really connecting all the dots. Like just everything then comes together. And as you were saying at the beginning of, of the chat, you were talking about, you know, you have to know like all different sides of the music industry and how, and now like this is something else that you've learned, like, you know, from an artist's point of view as well. So I'm sure that opens a lot of different uh, windows and ways of thinking as well in your job. 100%. I have such a deeper perspective on that, on how they tour and how they prepare on how they select yeah. music on, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole other thing. Like I have the utmost respect for touring artists and people who tour like intensely. I bless them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to choose three career highlights so far either whether it's with ultra records or djing what 
three highlights would they be? Whoo, crazy. Um, I would say on the DJ side, it was Lala. It was that mo like, you know, there was a moment where, you know, my set was only supposed to be an hour and a half, which is still like a nice amount of time. Uh-huh. There was a moment where the crowd was just too lit and happy and excited and dancing and engaged that right as I like finished my last song, the, um, the producers like come on the stage and like, keep it going. Like it's too good. Like keep it going. So I wound up playing for another like 30 minutes and I wound up doing like a full two hour set for my first show with a crowd that was just so happy to be there. And for me, that was just like a, wow moment like such a highlight like the feeling that I had like the next morning the first thing I did I went to a cafe and I wrote it all down because I just I was like I never want to forget this moment um so I would say that's one of my personal in my DJ journey highlights Mm -hmm. um I would say other highlights growing with with many of the artists such as Sophie Tucker and Annabelle England who have been beyond invested in their growth and to be able to see that you know like I met Sophie Tucker at Soho House seven years ago at a random party and you know to to meeting them there to seeing them at Baby's All Right and then seeing them play 7,000 person headlining shows and to see that growth and know that I was you know, very much part of the team that did that, saw that, created that, is an overall highlight. And many of those those artists, Annabelle England, Benny, you know, and I, you know, I can't account for uh, his legacy because that, I was a little young and then, <laughs> but to be able to learn and grow from his team has been, um, you know, like such a, a great blessing. And I would say, you know, I don't know if it's like less of a highlight, but just the growth at Ultra, you know, mm-hmm. the the fact that I've just been able to like fuel and learn and grow and fuel and learn and grow. And this transition has been such a growth spurt for me that even that is a highlight in and of itself. You know, I really do feel like I learned so much, grasped so much and gave so much in this last year so. Just like a blooming flower. <laughs> oh, wow, Vina, you've had like such and are having such an exciting career. I could literally just sit and listen to you for ages. I'm loving this. <laughs> Honestly, so, so lovely. Um, just to end, I have a the same question for everybody because the podcast is called Can You Put Me On <laughs> Guest List? And my question is, do you have a guest list rule? So I had to really think about this, this (laughs) question and it's, I'm going to make it two parts because there's a business part and then there's DJ part. Okay. And on the business part, I think my rule is if I'm asking for guest list, show up, right? Like show up because that guest list slot means a lot. It means a lot for the small artists or the developing artists who probably have a guest list slot of three people. And it means a lot for the bigger artists who, you know, even through thick and thin, you still show up for them. And they notice that. They will always notice that. So I think like that's been a big rule of thumb for me. And then on the, on the, on the other DJ side, like uh, on that side, 
as a DJ putting people on the <laughs> guest list, I've learned to accept that not everybody's going to always show up all the time uh-huh. and you can't hate them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but <laughs> you can't it be happens. mad. Can't Shit happens. You can't be mad. But, you know, I think also just like, I've learned, like, I have to feel my own growth. Like, sometimes if I have to buy tickets because I only have a guest list of two, it's for my own growth. I'm investing in myself. So, you know, it's like show up for others, but don't be upset if they don't show up for you all the time, you know? I love that. That was perfectly put, perfectly. And seeing it from both (laughs) sides, that was a brilliant answer. It has been so nice chatting with you. You know what? I have to say, when I met you at ADE, I knew straight away that I was going to love you. And now we've had this chat. And now we've had this chat. I've had a big smile on my face throughout this whole conversation. You're just like such a like bright, bubbly, lovely person. And I've loved listening about your journey. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Well, the feeling is very mutual as to like you, as soon as we met, like the like sweet, like hug exchange and we only like a WhatsApp, like three times, like the feeling was very mutual and is like, this is, has been such a pleasure of a conversation with you and I can't thank you enough for having me be a part of it. No, thank you. It's been lovely. I've just like, as I said from the beginning, you know, when somebody tells a story and you really imagine it, everything that they're saying, that's how I felt this whole conversation. So it's been absolutely lovely. Thank you so, so much. And I hope we get to see each other again soon in person. Me too. I'm coming to Ibiza for IMS. I'm manifesting. Yes. Yes. <laughs> see, that will be literally in a click of a finger. It's going to be IMS again. So I'll see you very soon. You- you know it. As soon as the holidays are over and the holidays are tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. We plan IMS. We plan UMF and then we plan yes, IMS. Perfect. So I'll see, I'll see you like day after tomorrow. Yeah, I'll right? see you in a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you.